this is Chris Angelus, and uh, you're listening to Right at the Fork, our weekly podcast about the Portland food scene. And this morning, I think it's great. We're going to have a guest that I happened to run into because of a recommendation from another chef that I needed to go to the Cardinal Club. Um, I walked into the Cardinal Club, which is over on 28th. Uh, on that block right on Burnside. It's a cool little spot and proceeded to have a fantastic meal, really great glass of wine, Muscadet. Uh, And what was best about it was it was served with a smile from T.R.A. Ferris, um, who uh, I just enjoyed my time there and I thought this is one of the coolest bars in Portland and people need to know about this. So I was really pleased when... We contacted Tiara and asked her if she'd come down here today uh, to talk to us about uh, what it was, how she got here from D.C. and Philadelphia, her relationship with uh, John Tabota, who's certainly one of the uh, one of the most important people in Portland when it comes to food, and uh, how they still have a good next door relationship with him, and uh, and what Cardinal Club is all about, uh, raising children or a child. And um, you can't see it, or you won't be able to see it, but she's got this beautiful smile with dimples going. So picture that as you're listening to this interview. Smile. It's been a permanent fixture since you walked in the door. Oh. (laughs) And I remember it well. I haven't been over in a while. How have things been? Oh, things have been great. Things have been great. When you uh, start very small, things tend to only go up after that. So uh, we're we're doing we're doing really well, doing really well. Um, I think people are starting to uh, spread the word. You know that sort of it's sort of catching fire as far as our very low key marketing plan of neighbor to neighbor, friend to friend. It's very low key. It's a very Portland thing to be that low key. You've got a sign out front that you actually on your website you talk about a little bit we do we do in a bar kitchen well you know it's really funny because it never even occurred to us um that that would become such um not a controversy but just a a thing a kind of a culty thing culty thing um there's been a threat many times of of t-shirts um because we would never make them because we're called cardinal club but to those of you who haven't been driving or walking down Northeast 28th, we have a big sign outside that says bar kitchen open. Um, because we figured if people got out of the movie theater at 11 o'clock at night, if they saw a sign that said food, drink here now, they would come on over. And if they said a saw a sign that said Cardinal Club, you know, they wouldn't actually, it wouldn't occur to them that that was where they wanted to be perhaps. So, um, but it's thrown a lot of people off. And um, even some of our best regulars, um, Tell their friends to go to the place called Bar Kitchen. Um, that's just how the, it's come. People have come well, to I know had, us. I had to look a little bit. I was looking for the sign. Yeah. And I was like, is that, is that it? And uh, I was glad I found it. <laughs> I don't, you know, it's funny because in this day and age, I guess the other thing we didn't think about is how everyone just now goes straight to their phone, you mm-hmm. know, if they're walking by a place. And um, if you try and go to a Google search bar and type like bar slash it'll say it'll come up you know it'll be a suggested thing to search is bar kitchen open like people actually have always have been searching that for a long oh, time oh that's good yeah. and, and then where did you told me um where did the name cardinal club come from oh um well we um 
had always actually had a different idea for a name. Um, and um, we even had business cards made, um, which is, of course, what happens when you, as soon as you make a business card with a name, you find out there's a coffee shop in Hood River with the same name that's expanding to Portland. So the 10 speed bar was out. And uh, we were just looking for a name, and we were at the Kearns Neighborhood Association, which is where the neighborhood we're in, Kearns, basically just telling them we're not going to be a nuisance bar, you know, um, and that we're going to be a great place <laughs> to the name, a great addition to the neighborhood. And this woman said, well, you know, the corner of Northeast, North 28. By the way, does anybody believe you when you say you're not going to be a nuisance bar? <laughs> I, luckily, I, I had <laughs> recently given birth and I had my, my child in an ergo on the front of me. Yeah, it did help. It did help. But I don't know if anybody believes That's a clue to anybody else. Anytime <laughs> they get into a controversy like that, put that Oprah pregnancy <laughs> thing on. Yeah. Anybody, it would work. <laughs> yes, I don't, you know, I don't know that they were convinced, but... Um, but yeah, um, so so she said, well, the the this this was I, I don't even know how this came up, but she said that corner is the exact center of Portland um, on a map that 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 actually twenty eighth and East Burnside is the center of the map. So we just started thinking about maps and compasses and uh, cardinal points, um, and we liked how Portland is known for its cardinal points for its northeast southeast neighborhoods, northwest southwest neighborhoods. And we just put club in the name to be kind of alliterative, but that has also sort of thrown people off the track. Um, I was I played a tennis match, and I introduced myself to a woman who actually it turns out to be a cookbook author. And I said, oh, you know, I own a restaurant. It's called Colonel Club. And she goes, oh, are there girls there, girls that take their clothes off? You know, she was really nice. She was in her 60s. And I said, oh, it's not that kind of club. <laughs> well, that, that stands to reason in Portland. Someone <laughs> might ask that. But for me, what it conjures up is something in the – 20s or 30s in Harlem. That's that's kind of you know a dance club and um and it, but it's a positive it's pod- positive imagery. A place you seek out. That was what we were going for too. Um, there a place that you seek out. A place that right the sign tells you there's a bar here, but you actually once you enter, you're inside the Cardinal Club. Um, something something like that definitely. So you you're, you're talking about it as a place you want to go. You're on a block with a lot of great things. I mean, it's a that's a cool neighborhood to be in. Some great restaurants. So are most of your your clients or most of your customers local? Are they from around that area? Absolutely. Um, we we are on a great block. Um, there's so much so much going on on um, up and down 28th, um, even on the southeast side with Kins and Bamboo, and then past Gleason. Um, uh, but we have sort of what's we, past Gleason. There's Dove Vivi and, oh, right. and Beach on, on the corner. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry, on Gleason. And I guess I think of those. I was just wondering if I was missing something. <laughs> gotta know. You do, you do, you do. Um, and then the whole ocean thing, but that's on Gleason too. Um, but getting back to your question, um, we we where we where we came from from Philly before we were here, and um, that is a huge city of neighborhoods and small neighborhood places. And so that's kind of what we set out to do here was to create a place that you could go to three times a week. So you could go and have a drink before you're going to have dinner at Bamboo. Uh, You could come in and have dinner, you know, at 11 o'clock at night when you got out, when you were driving home from the airport or something, just a place that you could just come to and make anything of, um, but they had good drinks and good food and late hours. I see that you you feature you can do anything till one o'clock. <laughs> You've got a two year old now, or 
I, uh, yeah, yeah, he'll be three. He'll be three. In, <laughs> right. So how are you juggling uh, one o'clock close time, which I'm sure it isn't a one o'clock close time for you necessarily. R- not not most nights, <laughs> but 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 a lot of the times it is. Um, I've always my entire life been a night owl. Um, and luckily my son's genetically that way too. Um, he's not waking us up at five or six in the morning, um, which helps a lot. But yeah. It's that thing, you know, the busier you you are, the more productive you are, you know. It's just he keeps us on the run and the business keeps us on the run and it just, it works. It works that way. And it's nice because mom and dad get to hang out with our son all day long and then go to work at night. So, that's so how do you cool. juggle it at night? What's the, what's the, the lots, shift? Lots of, uh, lots of uh, um, generous relatives and uh, we have a, a nanny for our son during nighttime when we're at work. So just so, the opposite schedule. <laughs> are you, are you and Tim both in at the same time? Because I, I, when I was in, I didn't meet Tim. Oh, you haven't met Tim. He's uh, that's too bad. And we could have had you on Couples Month, but we didn't. <laughs> we didn't, and we've had a few. But um, it's great to have you here. Tim, would you carrying the go. flag. Thank you, thank you, Tim. You can have Tim on another time. He is, uh, he's, he has a background in uh, theater, and he has a very good voice for radio. So if you, if you need it. <laughs> I'd be too intimidated. <laughs> Although this isn't radio. This is podcasting. Right, right, right. You don't need that. But Court has the voice for radio, and he, he, intim- he keeps me intimidated all the time. <laughs> um, so when I first came into your I, – I was made aware of Cardinal Club by Kat at Cocotte, um, who when we did an event there, and chefs talk about their favorite places. She came up with a great list, and I had just heard about – heard of – Cardinal Club. And I actually went by to pick up gift certificates at Expatriate. And then I guess Angel Face had just opened uh, when I came in. I think it was like that day or the day before. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, I, you looked at me when I walked in. I mispronounced your name and, you know, I looked like I was probably from uh, Oklahoma. And, <laughs> um, and I sat down and there's spinning vinyl. And there were great groups of people around me, and I said to you, and I don't know anything about wine, much anyway, and uh, you said, what do you want? And I just kind of gave you a look and my mood. And there's a lot of wine I don't love, some I do, and you came up with it right away. And I sat there thinking, here I am in this wonderful spot, and everybody's talking about expatriate, and you can't get in there. Like Literally, it was lines out the door. And, of course, Angel Face, there was a lot going on. Here I am in this wonderful spot that everybody really needs to know about. It is cool. <laughs> so I enjoyed my time there. Do you remember Thank what you. wine you served me? Uh, actually, I'm I testing do. your bartender acumen. I do, right only because you, you when the follow-up email, we, you, you reminded me what it was. Um, wow, that's good of me. I normally can't remember anybody's name the minute after I meet them. Well, you know, it's, uh, well, you remember, you, you ordered um, clams. We have clams with house sausage. It's probably one of our best dishes, and that's what you reminded me of. And whenever we, anybody orders clams, um, shellfish, I recommended the muscadet because um, there's a, there's a mnemonic device. It's shuck yeah for muscadet. If you have to shuck it, that's what you uh, that's what you, oh, really? you serve as muscadet. And uh, so it had nothing to do with my personality or the look <laughs> in my eyes. I just got the generic with the clams and sausage. Gen- no, uh, I will also uh, generic. Let me let me let me backtrack. I once had a woman who was drinking the muscadet, and she said, "You know what? 
because I'm drinking mousse today and I used to study with the great chef Robert Reynolds, may I also have an order of clams? So it can go the other way too. Oh, that's it true. It can go the other way too. And it was great. It, it is. It, we, um, you know, we we really take pride in having good wine to drink. We only have a couple of bottles open at a time. That's another reason it's easier to uh, remember and recommend things because mm-hmm. um, we want always want to have fresh fresh stuff open. And uh, that was a good one. That's just a really that's good a one. really good one because it's not often for me that. You know, usually a dish that I have sticks in my mind. Like I had a, I had something the other night at Acadia that was incredible, and that's going to be on my mind for weeks. Um, but it's not common for a wine to stick with me. And that one, I remember the next day telling everybody, you got to go over to Cardinal Club. And I'm sure, sure you can get it elsewhere, but I thought we're better to have it. Um, Absolutely. I think I did a wine class and that was, and we, I probably served eight wines and that was one of them. And that was probably one of the favorites too. That's just, yeah, that's a really good one. So which musket, I took a picture of it this morning, <laughs> just in case you didn't know. No, I know it is, but you're, my French is so bad. Yeah, I'm going to make you do the French because <laughs> I have been forced to remember, to know TRA as opposed to when I walk in, does TRA. Oh, yeah. Well, when you have a difficult name to pronounce, it's it's easy to um, it's easy to sort of uh, weed out the, the solicitors. You were not being a solicitor. At oh, that I, point, was. Yeah, I but... was. I mean, I felt like one because I was walking in to ask you something. But you're asking something cool. I mean, th- that's a great example. Kat li- and lived in the neighborhood and that's how she knew about us. So we were a neighborhood spot for her, um, the chef of Coquette. Uh Okay. There's another name, Coquette, Cocotte. Everybody has trouble. Right. How do you pronounce this? It's co- Is it Cocotte? I think it's, Heather, it's Cocotte. 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 Yep. You just have to kind of stick your jaw out a little bit when you say it. Cocotte. <laughs> it so works. why don't you stick your jaw out and works? They tell everybody about the... Also, uh, so you pronounce this as Domaine, Domaine de la Grange? Yes. I took French in eighth grade. That's about... Um, so that was great. So you... No, your wine. You know, when I was, my first job in advertising, I showed up in Phoenix, Arizona. Someone hired me kind of all the way across the country. I drove across the country. The day I got there, the guy who was going to be my mentor left. And I was, I had this big bank I was going to work on and learn. Uh I had to take over, never having worked a day in my life in advertising, I had to figure it all out from day one. Now, you can fake your way through advertising because you got support staff and it's advertising. Yeah. You had the same thing happen to you. I did. I did. At a restaurant <laughs> where you all of a sudden became in charge of the wine list and you probably knew nothing at the time. And right? my French was even worse then. <laughs> well, it, has, it hasn't improved to the point that you're willing to take on a Muscadet right Never. now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, the The... Hastily departing manager of the little French restaurant that I was working at said, "You like wine, don't you?" And I, one day, and I didn't even know he was leaving. I said, "Yeah, I mean, I like to drink wine." But blah, blah, and how yeah. old were you then? Oh, um, let's see. I was probably 22, 23. Yeah, okay. So you could like it, but how much could you know? I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. And so, I what I did is all the wine reps that came by that wanted to sell me stuff. I said, "I need a." crash course. I said, come here at the end of every day. And I was lucky enough that they did. And they would just, after they'd be out selling wine, they'd bring everything to our place at the end of the day. And I just taste anything in their book, anything they had in their bag. So French, uh, California, Oregon, Spanish, Italian, I mean, Austrian, German, anything I could get my hands on. Um, And 
I would read, I read books uh, by the great Jancis Robinson um, about how to taste and took classes. And then, yeah, just kind of, it's not, I mean, it's, it's sort of like advertising in a way. You can, faking your way as far as if you are confident and you can talk about wine, you know, um, <coughs> if you can tell a story about wine, if you can tell a narrative about wine, you can sell wine to anybody. And, uh, but you can't, I mean, at 22, you, it's hard. You had to have a period of time there where it was strict bullshit. Oh, huge. All oh, bullshit. absolutely. Oh, I, the best was I worked at a place. I worked at a place with an extensive burgundy list. I mean, we're talking about bottles that started at $120, you know. We, we weren't sitting around drinking those with staff meal. But we did, as, as sommeliers, we, we tasted in the closet before we went to the table with the wine. And so that was how I learned about, you know, how how well this new St. George is drinking tonight, you know. So that would be that would I would taste one and then I'd end up recommending the same wine the rest of the night because I knew what that profile was and I could sell it. So but you so you had to learn. Was there a moment so it sounds to me as though you were just asked, Do you like wine? And as most people would say in that position, well yeah. <laughs> Did you have a moment where you there was a wine that you tasted where you said, Wow, I love this. This is what this is what I really like doing, and this is where you're going to go. Absolutely. I can. Do you remember the wine? I do. It was an Alsatian wine. It was a Kunzbach Alsatian wine. It was a blend. It was a lot of Riesling, and just the fact that something could be so many different things at once, you know, um, which is what's really fun about Riesling as a grape, and it's, it's just you can have roundness, minerality, gasoline and i just was like whoa i've never tasted gasoline some, yeah gasoline petrol it's the british would say which probably sounds better if i was writing a narrative about reasoning i'd probably say petrol um yeah and it just it, the other thing about that wine was it was so complicated i just wanted to keep having another sip and tasting something else and you know um yeah i remember that wine and i, I that was in one that a rep just brought by i would never have served it well the french place was alsatian but it was way out of our price range glass pour but I had, was lucky enough to try that that day and it's funny I mean you know interestingly people just sort of randomly took me under their wing um, and taught me I was really lucky that way um, when I was at the in- International Pinot Noir Festival which I thought I got a scholarship to work at I got a scholarship to go and I thought oh I'll be pouring you know I'm doing something and they said no you're you're, you're just here to enjoy you're it. just here to enjoy it and uh, I knew no one um, I was living in Philadelphia. Um, I knew people in Portland, but not people in McMinnville. And I was riding a bus to a 9.30 a.m. tasting, which I can tell you I was not really that game for, um, at 9.30 in the morning. And um, Eric Hamaker, who's a great winemaker down in Carleton, just sat down next to me on the bus and started talking to me and introduced me to all these great winemakers in Carleton. And uh, I had lunch with him and Andrew Rich. And uh, just, just because I was sitting on a bus and these two great, great people, great winemakers, well, that's kind of how Portland works. It for is, the whole right? Region. It is. I mean, it you is. don't need to be. You know, everybody will pay attention to you. That's how I started my thing. It's like I didn't know anybody. I was in advertising. Yeah. All of a sudden, you start talking. So, did you? Was that before you started taking your your journey, your annual sojourns to Portland, or that, that was, was after? That was in the middle. That was in the middle. Um, so you, so you had already. You started in two thousand. Yes. And. What the first time you took Portland in and went back to Philadelphia, did you have it a little of it in your heart then, or did did it take a little oh, to grow on you? Oh, I absolutely had it in my heart because the first thing I thought when I when you leave Portland and you fly back into Philadelphia is 
you think, God, Philadelphia is really dirty. Like, you know, you, <laughs> if you're not around nature and in the and pretty things in the environment, you don't realize how how gritty the city is. And then you come back, you're like, oh yeah. It's probably prettier. It's probably cleaner now. I see these. Someone's posting like 70s and 80s New York City on Facebook, and it re- I remember it. It was terrible. Yeah. And now it's really pretty. So has Philadelphia gone through the same uh, Philadelphia renaissance? Definitely, it definitely has uh, cleaned up. But, um, it, but I mean, in, in it's just, uh, well, West Philly is actually, we always just call that little Portland because it was green. But, I mean, Portland's just green all over. It just, you know, it's just the, the way it's built. But, yes, um, the, that, I mean, just being so close to good wine and great food. I mean, I think we went to the PSU Farmer's Market when I the first year I ever came to Portland. Um, and, I mean, that was when I'm, the the guy who had his taste bud now had a stand there with, you know. Mark, that's Yeah, fair. all those, all those, all that great taste bud stuff, but like at a stall in the Farmer's Market. And, and he's I, been doing it that long? So yeah. he's in year 14 now? And he's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I might be getting my years. Or beyond though. that, actually. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> doesn't seem like it was his first year, but at least 14. So, um, yeah. And just I just remember the tomatoes. I just remember, I mean, we had great we had great produce in, in PA because you have the Amish country to your west. But, I mean, I just remember the racks and racks of tomatoes of every variety and color you could possibly believe. And, yeah, that was Portland. So after that trip, did you were you thinking you wanted to land here at some point? Yes. Or, or when did that happen? I, I mean, I think I... How, how I long did it happen from the time that you planned it to the time that you did it? Um, as much as I lo- love Philadelphia and loved being there in my 20s, I don't think I was ever going to live... I never thought I was going to retire in Philadelphia. Um, I always wanted to probably get back to the West Coast, and specifically Portland um, was always on my mind, um, was always a, a in the back of my head. And having good friends here, a lot of people from the East Coast have moved out here. Um, <laughs> that's, that's well, they can't, come, they can't come from much further west. <laughs> but no, it, I found that you run into a lot of people. And do you think, does it rub off on you in a, after a while? Because I like to believe that I'm a little more laid back than I was. Um, sometimes I have moments where I think, oh, it's still there. <laughs> but do you feel a little more, do you feel like you've eased into the whole psyche here? Yes, I think that there was always a part of that has always been a part of me, little dormant, and it's risen to the surface. I actually just remembered that in I once was talking to somebody in Philadelphia about Portland and taking trips to Portland, maybe moving there, and two months later they moved here. It just with dinner conversation, very casually, was just I sold them on Portland like that. <laughs> they moved here. Did you call them and say, "Hey, I was supposed to be first. I had a place to stay whenever I came oh, that's out." Good. <laughs> That worked out. And how did you meet John Taboda? How how did that come about? Oh, um, you know, he, because you mentioned uh, at some point that he was one of the first people you knew here, right? Yes, yes. I think I, I was also driven to learn about wine because I wanted to know more about wine than John, because he had a. a we would sometimes play this wine trivia game at his house in D.C., and I wanted to win the game more than anything, and so I was going to. And John knows a lot about wine, so I said I had to set my sights pretty high. He was just a, a friend, um, a college friend of some mutual friends, and he lived in D.C. at the time that I moved to Philadelphia, and I didn't really know anybody at Philadelphia, so it was a lot easier to go down to D.C. on the weekends and hang out with people you already knew that were fun and interesting and would 
pick you up at Union Station with an eclair the size of their head. That was John Taboda, you know. I got something for us to share. <laughs> I can only imagine. How old were, was he? Or when was that? Okay, so that's that's like late nineties, early late nineties, and he just turned um he just turned fifty <laughs> this just now? May twentieth. Yeah. He looks good. He looks great. There's a lot of good looking fifty year olds these days. I'm kind of putting it together. Now that I'm I'm easing into forty soon too, that makes sense. The fifty year olds are starting to look yeah, a lot don't better. Be, <laughs> don't be too afraid of fifty. I was, and you know what? Sometimes what you worry about. Yeah, comes, you're, you're a great example. No, I, I wasn't fishing for that. I'm just saying that the forties were great, and I dreaded the fifties. And fifties are now starting to be okay, but it takes a little while to get used to that concept. That because, number. Yeah, well, you know, you're that another generation. It seems you're always another generation, but. All of a sudden, but John, no, he's he's youthful and he's got some new things going on. So, the the number's nothing. It's yes. really what you have in your heart. Yes, um, John Debo will always be the person that when you come and visit has guest bicycles so that you can ride around the city. Uh, you know, tour around the city on a guest bike. I think that's definitely a young at heart sort of thing, and uh, will always stay up really really late um, with various Odevies and grappas of. Point from points unknown um, that you have to have the liver of a young person to, <laughs> to enjoy. So, so now that you're a young parent, are you still do you still have that opportunity, or you just walk next door and and hang out with John? How does that work? Um, well, the the nice thing is that a lot of our friends also have um, young young or children, not even as young as ours. Um, we went to a, a Christmas Eve party at John and his wife Giovanna's house. And uh, we sat next to some people, and Jamal said, oh, you, you have something in common with them. Uh, they have a one-year-old and um, the woman of the couple. I think she plays tennis, and they're about to open a, a place, too. And so I sat down and um, introduced myself, and they said, oh, we're opening this place called Woodsman Tavern. And I was like, oh, I like that you have tavern in the name. We're opening a tavern, too. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know, they were in the same boat. I mean, opening that place with a one-and-a-half-year-old, I mean, people people do it. And um, Well, I want to know, if because I looked at the timeline. So six months after you had your child, you opened Cardinal Club, correct? So what was that six months? I mean, that's a crazy six months because oh, it's not might... easy to open a restaurant. That might have been a typo. I, we had our son in 2011, and we opened in 2012. So it was it was it was 18 months. I'm sorry, that might have been a typo. No, that's still six months. No, no, yeah, we had 2011, 2012. Oh, but December, December okay. 2012. Well, still, December, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb. I'm not going out on a limb by saying doesn't matter. It's still within the first two years. That's not easy. <laughs> It's amazing what you can do when you put that when you put the the ergo pack on, you know. With you know, when they're infants, you can actually get a lot of stuff done. It's now, it's now that you have to run after them and chase them down. Um, that it's a lot more, it's a lot is a different type of a different type of of work. But like I said, you know, we spend every morning and afternoon with our son, so we get to we we get to spend a lot of quality but it, time. But it requires the energy of a twenty or thirty year old because. <laughs> You can't take, you can never take your eyes off. You just can't remove your eyes. So it's, it requires a lot of energy, whether it's a lot of time, you're still exhausted yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So well, that's why, that's why, um, you know, God created rosé. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of, of, of days that can end with a glass of rosé and that really sort of makes it all 
worthwhile. So that's that's the uh, prescription <laughs> from you for any day. For, for myself, I would not recommend it. I don't know. Prescription sounds like I'm recommending it to other people. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's really funny, too, because we have a, a – our child is – I would also like to mention as a boy, not a girl. I've seen my friends sit with their daughters who are the same age, and they sit and just eat their lunch you know, for 30 minutes. Our son does not eat lunch for longer than five minutes, and then he's on the go. But I think you get it back uh, in the teen years. That, that's I mean, what I hear. I mean, generally speaking, I'm not going to speak to any specific, <laughs> but I think uh, I think teenage boys are probably a little easier. Yeah, than, that's what I hear. That's what I hear. Yeah, well, that's, I don't, I don't know. Uh, so do you, you have any rosés right now for those rosé fans that might be listening that they might want to come in and try? Because I like a rosé, and uh, I was sorry that Kier Wine Bar closed. Oh, I know, I know. There was, that was a, there was a Philadelphia connection, too, with, with um, Amalia there, too. I loved Kier. That was one of my absolute favorite, favorite wine lists. Um, Rosés, well, it's a great time of year. I mean, all the all the 2013s are coming out. Um, we were doing to have a, a really weird one right now. It's uh, it's weird because it's Nebbiolo, um, and you don't normally drink rosé from Nebbiolo. Um, and uh, so it's it's got body, um, but it doesn't have any of that residual sugar when you usually see a wine that's that that dark. So it's really nice. It drinks light. It, it drinks lighter than it looks, but it's still got some heft. <laughs> so would people go to the Cardinal Club for wine, cocktails, any, I mean, what would you, if someone were to describe, if you, someone walked away from Cardinal Club and were to describe it, how would you want them to describe it? Oh, well, um, I think the way that we, we look, because there's a lot of dark wood and black walnut in the place, we, it, I think it suggests cocktail to people, just, um, but I think that with with the food and with the softness of the of Tim and I and the fact that it's our place and we're both just super friendly people that that would warm someone up to drinking it more of a, a wine or, or beer. I mean, really, we take all types. Um, but how would I like people to? What would I like people to walk away thinking of? Would you want them to tell their friends why they need to go there? Oh, um, you know, just. That it's the thing about it is that every and I'm only going to quote back what people say is it's this this sense of ownership that happens immediately because we we're very minimal with our design. Everything is pretty spare on the menu. There's a couple of glasses of wine. There's a few classic cocktails that people really get a sense of ownership. You know, they can really have the experience that they want to have. And then they always walk away saying, I'm not telling anyone about this place. I want to keep it for myself. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what I got from it. And it was you. Because I walked in and you were so gracious and kind and you got this great smile and the conversation was nice. And everything else there, as you said, is not, it's not ostentatious at all. You know, it's so all the genuine heart just, came through for me. And I don't get that in every, you don't get that everywhere. Um, how often are you there? Uh, how, how do you, go, how do you split your time? And um, we are, one of us is there most nights. We have off on Sundays. Um, that's date night, but it's unfortunate because there's so many places in Portland that are, they're closed on Sundays. <laughs> well, I hear that from a few chefs. I just heard that the other night from Adam said the same thing. Adam Higgs at Acadia that, and 
Yeah, we're actually his fiance. They they don't get to go out, and then and then by the way, you're probably beat on when on Sunday, one day a week. So, um, the the yeah, we're actually thinking of changing, it, switching it so that we won't be there on Thursdays, so that that way we can, because there's just so many exciting places to go and see. I mean, I can't believe I still haven't been to Davenport. It's right down the street. It's right there. It's right there, but you know. But you know, there's a lot of the there are a lot of those in Portland. Anybody who understands what's going on here you can't possibly go everywhere yeah. and you feel guilt you feel bad about it because you're all part of a community and you know yeah you haven't been having port you almost don't want to admit that after a certain period of time it's, I know. it's embarrassing i went to trifecta for the first time last night and i loved it it was it was wonderful and uh but I've been long time thinking I need to get there, and I feel terrible that it took me that long to. Trifecta get... open on Sundays. I think I was there a week too. <laughs> <laughs> but I know exactly what you mean. There are there, and for us, I mean, we have a place where because we're open late, we get a lot of people that get off work. So then it's then another obligation. These people come in and support our business. We see them, you know. I, with... I think you should be in there with chefs favorites because everybody likes Rum Club. All chefs always mention that. Yeah, it's on and, my list. And used to you haven't been there either. No, I'm saying it's on my list. I was supposed to bring a list of places I like, and I the first one at the top is like, okay. oh, Rum Club. Of course. Well, I'll be happy to. I'll ha- <laughs> I'll help you with any list. But and it used to be the same thing with Kier. Uh You ask every chef where they like to hang out, and that was yours should be right up there too. It's that kind of place where everybody, uh, anybody in the food community can hang out and um, really feel comfortable. And you're open late, which is yeah. what they need. So while we're on it. What do you remember? Because I'll tell you the truth. I had a list. I always bring a little list of questions if the conversation needs it. And uh, I didn't somehow, it didn't make it from my printer to my little thing here. So I came without a list of questions. So I won't make it. If you, I'm giving you time right now I have to a list. think no, about I have, no, the I, places you you either want to go or you have gone that you well, like. Well, we admit first we said I want to go to Davenport. So that's out there. Right. Um, so I'm going to switch my work schedule to Thursdays so I can go to, to there. Um, but places that I love, Rum Club, what they, they do, they do so well and they do it with so much fun. I just love how fun that place is. Um, you know where else is really cool that I was glad that I was thinking about this? This is Southeast Wine Collective. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is it a great place to, to check out a whole bunch of local winemakers and um, the, the they've got a, a lady there who's cooking little plates of food that are great. I mean, great salads, you know, great uh, charcuterie, just really, really good, really good snacks. Um, I love that place. Um, That's a really Portland place to me. Um, My favorite Portland place that closed was um, Palace of Industry. I don't know if you ever got up there in Northeast Portland. It was Mm. a a vintage, vintage shop with a bar in it. I mean, it was to us, it was just Tim and I, it was just quintessential Portland. Um, and it was hidden too. You had to. Yeah, I'd never even heard of it. Yeah. How long it, got it to close? Uh, it, it probably closed uh, six months a year ago. Um, but that was a really cool, cool place. Whoever thought of that, are they doing something new? I don't know. I think I think if you look them up on the web, you can find their vintage stuff. You know, I think they 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 stayed in that realm. Um, Do you ever go to? Uh, it's S M U T. I don't think you call it smut. <laughs> The place a yeah, block away right, from right. you. It's great. I love that. I have a, I have a, my turntables from there. My, I have an old typewriter uh, that a friend graciously bought me for as a gift when I saw it and fell in love with it. And uh, do you get some of your vinyl from there? I, that's everybody wants to know where we get our vinyl from. Um, and uh, yeah, everywhere. 
Definitely, definitely. I, I actually thought it was called smut, but S-M-U-T. I'm just guessing. <laughs> I, I'm sure they don't mind it being called smut, but you just have to qualify that you're talking about a store as opposed to... Uh, uh, yes, yes. Um, uh, so what vinyl are you spinning now that you really like? Oh, gosh. Well, Music Millennium, also up the street, across right. from Laurelhurst Market, which the bar at Laurelhurst Market, also a great Sunday place to go with your... Yeah, did I divert you from that? Do you have a few more no, you want to no, talk no. about? No, no, no. I just, they, uh, they have an out, outdoor bar, which is really cool. They built a bar in their patio. That, that. Do you live in that neighborhood, too? Oh, I do not. I wish, I would love to live closer to work, but um, we, when we moved here, we, we found a place in Selwood, which for a two-year-old is, is man, I mean, it's got everything you would want. Mm-hmm. Parks, library, New Seasons, community center, pool, um, uh, oh, oh, so Music Millennium uh, was had a 20% off vinyl sale this weekend. So I got all, I'm really excited right now because I have all, all a bunch of new records. Um, I have, I got a Serge Gainsbourg record because we wanted to have every Serge Gainsbourg record uh, that had been, has been printed. So I think we are now complete. At and what Club. kind of music is that? I, I hate to tell you, but I don't, I've never heard of Serge Gainsbourg. Um, I think that the, Best way to describe him is how he was described in The New Yorker um, as a man who looked like a horse with a hangover. He's a French uh, jazz musician um, who did some psych stuff with Brigitte Bardot, uh, Jane Birkin, and Melody Nelson um, in the 60s and 70s. So psyche, jazzy, female French vocals. I love Arno that. Club. I need That's Arno Club. <laughs> I know that. I love that kind of music. We'll plug that into Pandora. Yeah, uh, Serge Gainsbourg. Um, and the one thing, you know what I love about this podcast, or one of the things, is it's all recorded, so I don't have to now remember it. I can just know when I can go back and listen to this, and I'll know. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I've been also listening to uh, some some rock steady. Um, there was a, I'm always looking for. Studio One and Treasure Isle stuff from Jamaica, and there was a new Rock City record that I hadn't seen, so I got that. And uh, for contemporary music, I've been listening to a lot of real estate um, and uh, Kurt Vile um, and the Violators. It's good Cardinal Club music. <laughs> wow! So I'm gonna. Uh, that's a, that's great because that's a there. I have a feeling I would like all that music. I love the music you were playing when I was there that night. That I don't remember. I might no, remember the I'm wine, not asking you to remember. I wouldn't either, but I just remember it was part of the, the whole vibe. Yeah. And uh, so you can go in and talk to Tiare. And don't get the name wrong because otherwise she'll think you're selling her oh books or gosh. something like that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but not only get a crazy, wonderful night of some bites and some food. You're not going to get a big plate there. It's uh, well, I didn't. I didn't mean to say it wasn't a good portion, but you're not going to order steaks. You're going to order things that go well with, you know, some cocktails and wine. Correct. I'll get. You're making a face, so I'm going to let you correct we, me. We have a hanger steak on the menu right oh, now. Oh, okay. Really amazing. <laughs> well, I but to me that the sausage and clams was fairly light. Yes. So. Yes, it's not. It's nothing is. Um, uh, you're right. Nothing is is. Uh, is super super on the heavy side, particularly not right now. Um, we, I think our heaviest is was a house made sausage and pol- creamy polenta, and we just switched that up to the sausages now over a, a bean and chard salad. You know, just to lighten it up. But we do have we do have entrees there. That's- so mention some of the entrees. So- okay, we oh we just put a grilled whole trout on the menu. 
Um, oh, that's substantial. I'm yeah. sorry. Then yeah. I okay. You can rewind and record <laughs> and delete what I just said. Then that's good enough for me. It is that that's 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 part of the Cardinal Club experience. Is you can come in and have snacks, but you can also come in and have a meal too. Um, so, but then nothing about the place screams Andres. So. Well, nothing about it screams expensive too. So that's why I was. Thinking probably it's not, you know, it's not real heavy on the wallet. Too, it's not. So. I mean, the, the, the entrees are 15, 15, 14 dollar entrees. Um, so that's yeah. Like I said, that's that was an important part of wanting to create a place that you could come to multiple times a week. You know, um, you know, there are great destination places that you save up for your birthday and, and special occasions. But uh, the way we live now, you everybody likes to to go out more than once a week, more than once a month, you know. So and um, the economy's opening that opportunity up a little bit. Do you get a lot of people from next door coming? So do they go for a dinner at Navarre and then come over and have yes. some drinks and angel face? How's that? I haven't been there yet. How's oh, that you doing? haven't? You have to go. You have to go. Um, it's it's beautiful. It is. Um, and the, the people there, um, Kelly, the barman, is such a sweetheart. Um, and uh, they have food too, but I think mainly, again, the vibe is is cocktail, um, and you know it's beautiful glassware, beautiful design. Um, definitely a labor of love. Um, if we had waited to open at the same time as them, <laughs> since we were, were you were you a little atim- intimidated when he opened it, or not intimidated, but were you a little concerned? Um, well, you know, at first we were just curious. You know, what's it going to be like? Um, but. The uh, our attitude has always been the more people that are coming to Northeast Twenty Eighth, the better for Cardinal Club. I think first of all, I think that's true. I think it 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 is the more good stuff that's out there, the more people are getting around. But I also think you have to believe that in Portland because otherwise, if you're going to be worried about competition, you know you're going to wilt. So you have to just be comfortable with what everybody else is doing and celebrate it. You're all part of it. Yes. Yes, it's almost like Portland is a city of of introverts, and they all kind of do their own thing around each other. You know, there it doesn't it seems, and then everyone does it in kind. You know, and then it's go you go and see what somebody else is doing, and that's really exciting. Um, it, it is, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Um, the uh, yeah, the there's definitely a lot of that's the thing because um, John and I from Navarre are such close friends. We know a lot of the same people, so it just makes sense for people to have a drink at our place, have dinner at Navarre, have a drink at Angel Face, have you know, have dessert at Cardinal Club. It just kind of, it 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 again, it attracts a lot of good people and good stuff. <laughs> so you have a son now. Are you a Portlander for life? Well, my son. Well, Tim, my partner, was born in Portland. So our son, being born in Portland, he's like a sixth generation Oregonian, which is uh, not that common. Um, so. Yeah, probably, probably setting down roots here. Um, also, you know, there's there's always other future Cardinal clubs to open. And uh, that was my next question. <laughs> Thanks for beating me to it. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, we we um, Tim and I worked together on a project in Philadelphia. Um, we worked on opening up a, a Japanese izakaya, and um, it didn't actually ever come to fruition. But we we did a lot of research and. Um, spent a lot of time unfortunately not in not in japan the the research budget was not so that we could go to japan <laughs> but we well, there's always the internet <laughs> there's internet and there's new york city um when you're in philly they can do a lot of research uh not too far away but that 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 project ended up 
not happening. So we have all this research and we got, we really not just fell in love with the Zakai's, but sort of Korean food. And so we love to do some sort of bar with Korean snack food. So, so it's not necessarily going to be a Cardinal Club. No, it'd be more like a Tenoshi Tavern. <laughs> Great. And how long, how far out is that, do you think? Oh, I don't know. We also have an idea that we want to have a brew pub that only brews one beer and it's like a German style lager. I don't know. You know, we have lots of ideas. Um, pizza parlor where you, you know, just like the old days where you ordered at the counter and you got your beer at a different counter. Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of stuff in the works. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes to fruition. Yeah, yeah, us too. Us Thanks. Too. Thank you so much for coming by. Oh, gosh. Thanks for having real, me. It's been a real pleasure. I knew it would be. Oh, thanks. You're a flatterer. But very, very kind. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, that was T.R.A., and it's written. I asked her, actually, uh, before she came, because I've heard it twice and then kind of let it go and called her Tiara, which the first time wasn't really a, uh, a great way to enter and introduce myself. But uh, I hope that her bubbly personality, her, she's just really beautiful, and just this warmth comes from her mm-hmm. that I got, which made me want to have her as a guest. I hope that came through in, uh in an audio form um, because you're not looking at her. And we got to see this woman who's got smiles on her faces and very animated with big dimples. Yeah. Well, I, and I need to get to Cardinal Club because I just have, I think I have a completely different picture in my head of what it actually is. There, I think there's a Cardinal Club back in San Jose. No, this is just really simple. And dank and there are people who serve you drinks with, teeth missing and, you oh, know, no. and this is not that at all no so. but it is you know she mentioned it's a neighborhood place that yeah. doesn't mean it's a dive no but it felt like when i walked in everybody there was very calm they already knew their way there they already knew their place there they were regulars who were there mm-hmm. and it was kind of a younger crowd i might i think i was the oldest one there which happens here mm-hmm. and there mm-hmm. um but just uh you know the the music playing and the fact that she's got to stop and do what she does any place Grasa does it too. Any place that spins vinyl, expatriate, someone's got to stop every once in a while and actually do that and think about it and put it on. It's a la- that's that's more of a labor of love. Yeah, I I want to go in with you know a pad of paper and just ask her like, okay, what are all these cool songs that you're well, that she, you're playing? She and listed yeah, some. Yeah, we'll have to look them up and put them on Facebook or something because uh, because it's it's. It's not on my eye, <laughs> on my phone. Well, that first one that she mentioned that I don't remember already. Um, Serge but I'll go back Gainsbourg. And, Serge Gainsbourg. Serge. 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 Um, probably. Anyway, that's going in Pandora as soon as I make note of it. But anyway, uh, to get the full experience, you need to be there. And uh, it's one of, you know, I, I recommend a lot of places. That one, I think, is a Sleeper. That isn't on everybody's list. Cardinal Club. I know it's not on, everybody, on everybody's list. And it is just one of the really cool, and whether you're from in town or out of town, it's a really cool place to go. Even if it was somewhere else you want to go there. It's not about Portland per se. These are two folks from the East Coast. Um, really great. I'm glad you came. The place where the locals go. Yes. Yeah.